you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Harvey Dent, played by Aaron Eckhart, in The Dark Knight, by Christopher Nolan. He's kind of crazy, she's a little insane. Keeping Kenny G really messes with his brain. One is divorced, the other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a silver linings play cast. Oh yeah. Hello everybody and welcome to the Silver Linings Playcast, the only podcast that I know of that is solely devoted to Silver Linings Playbook, the movie, and the Silver Linings Playbook, the book. We are back again with some more fan fiction from the Silver Linings Playbook Extended Universe. Uh, Let's get to it. This is from a prequel novel about the origins of some of the characters from the Silver Linings Playbook universe. It started like any other night, but little did Pat know that this was not like any other night. In fact, Pat would never know, because this would be the night that Pat died. Pat and Tiffany were taking their son Ethan to the opera to see Die Fledermaus. Die Fledermaus was not technically an opera, more of an operetta, which, unlike traditional operas, can feature spoken word and are typically lighter in subject matter and simpler in narrative structure. Neither Pat nor Tiffany were particular fans of opera, operettas, or theater in general, but since they become parents, they valued spending time as a family engaged in activities they felt would contribute to Ethan's development, maturity, and refinement. Pat had always assumed he would have a more blue-collared life, spending Sundays on the couch with his son watching footballs because the Salatanos lived for Sundays. But business had taken off. Pat's job at the PR firm he worked for quickly promoted him up the ranks, and after a few shrewd and fortuitous investments in several squeeze-play stocks that had been shorted by rather large Wall Street hedge funds, the Solidano family found themselves in the midst of a rather large fortune. The windfall sparked a philanthropic streak. He moved his family to Chicago and set up Solitano Enterprises a multi-international conglomerate founded in a diverse feeling of technology and infrastructure companies. This is why they were headed to the opera. At six o'clock, Pat got out of the shower and joined his wife Tiffany, who was sitting at her vanity, touching up what was already a work of art, highlighted by the splendid pearl necklace that Pat had given her as a gift several hours earlier. The little pearl spheres glistened under the soft lights in the room. It was a far way off from the tracksuit that she'd been wearing when her flirtation with Pat had begun. Do I need to help Ethan with his bow tie? Tiffany yelled into the other room. I'll make sure he does it right, said Pat. You two will be adorable wearing matching tuxedos, said Tiffany. My handsome man. Pat leaned in and planted a small kiss on Tiffany's cheek. He held her for a moment, and they both looked into the mirror, their paired gaze staring right through the image of themselves and into each other's souls. The town car carrying the Salatano family pulled up to the theater entrance. It was a cool autumn night. The Salatano's driver, Linus, exited the car and ran around to open Tiffany's door first, but found Pat 
still found the wherewithal to beat Linus there. Milady, Pat said, opening the door and bowing slightly. Tiffany exited the car, holding Ethan's hand as he followed in suit. The three entered the theater, took their seats, and waited for the performance to start. Pat looked over at his family, seated next to him. All was right with the world. The show started right on time. As the performers took to the stage, the audience was captivated by the majesty of the cast's talent, which filled the theater. The silence of the audience's full focus roared with the intensity of silent void and pure elation. The costumes were fabulous, the sets were exquisite, and the performances were flawless, eliciting laughs from the funny parts, gasps from the dramatic moments, and even a few sniffles when things got heavy. Everyone was enjoying the evening. Everyone except Ethan, that is. Ethan was a good kid. He did his best to learn new things every day. But even one of history's greatest operettas is still a little hard sell for an eight-year-old boy who is dreaming of playing video games with his friends. Pat had snuck in a few snacks, and midway through the show, he handed Ethan a small pack of macadamia nuts. What are these? asked Ethan. Macadamia nuts, whispered Pat. They're like the almonds you like, but richer. The two Solitano men secretly munched on their secret snack, sharing a small, quiet laugh. His father and son, who were sharing a special bond that they knew only they were aware of. The nuts were salty in Ethan's mouth. They had a nice, smooth flavor and soft texture, but tasted unfamiliar compared with all the other types of nuts he'd had in his life. One felt like it got caught in his throat, and he began to cough. <clears throat> Are you okay? Tiffany said with concern. Shh. A voice came from their back. Tiffany spun around and stared fiercely into the row of people behind her, scanning for any clue as to who had just shushed her. Who was that? She said through clenched teeth. Shh. Now came from several indiscernible locations. Pat put his arm on Tiffany's shoulder. It's okay, babe. He's fine. It's not fine, Patrick. Someone shushed me for being worried about her. There's a show going on. Someone whispered again. The whole crowd around them was beginning to become noticeably irritated. Tiff. Tiff, it's okay. Pat tried to calm her down. It's not okay she said. The street in front of the theater was empty because the show was not over when Pat, Tiffany, and Ethan were escorted out of the theater. Tiffany was shouting a string of profanities at the usher who forced them out, but instantly calmed down and regained her composure once the door closed behind them and she looked over to see Pat smiling at her. That's my girl I fell in love with, said Pat. I'm sorry, Mom, said Ethan. Tiffany knelt down to face her son at eye level. She threw her arms around him and hugged the boy as the bottom of his eyelids started to moisten. Oh no, baby, you didn't do anything wrong, she said. It's okay, E. Your parents are crazy, added Pat. The two remorseful adults embraced their son and they all stood frozen in a circle of family hug while Ethan composed himself, restraining 
from letting that first tear break the seal of his emotional barrier he had constructed this evening. Hey, sport, said Pat. Linus isn't scheduled to pick us up for another hour. What do you say we walk up the block and get some ice cream? Ice cream, exclaimed Ethan. Ethan grabbed Pat and Tiffany's hands, and the three set off in unison, Ethan with a little extra skip in his step as the young boy marched towards the promise of ice cream. They walked down the street one block, when Pat said, It'll be faster if we cut through this alley. Tiffany looked back at the alley with an expression that was a mix of terror and disgust. Absolutely not, she said. We're not in a hurry. Let's walk up to 44th. But our son wants ice cream now, said Pat as he looked down at Ethan. Right, son? Mm-hmm, replied Ethan with a big dumb grin. I don't want... Pat cut Tiffany off mid-sentence. It'll be fine, he said. Look, it's just a hundred meters. We'll just run down there real fast. Tiffany wanted to protest, but she could feel Ethan pulling both their arms as he made his way down the back alley on his way to get ice cream. The family made it about halfway through the alley when a figure emerged from the shadows, as if it was, in fact, a shadow materializing out of light and darkness. It stood in the middle of the alley, blocking the three from being able to pass. Tiffany yelled at the man, What do you want? The shadowy figure took one step forward, and what once was the dark outline of a human figure became illuminated under the more direct streetlights. In the figure's right hand was a gun, with a barrel pointing right towards Ethan. Tiffany was about to let out a scream when the man moved with the gun from Ethan's face and aligned the barrel right between Tiffany's eyes. Look, like you guys, picked the wrong night to walk down my alley, the man said. What do you want? asked Pat. His voice resonated with a confidence that he didn't actually feel inside. My name is Joseph Kersey, said Joe. And this is my alley. Anyone who passes through has to pay a tax. Fine, said Pat. He reached for his wallet from his back pocket of his pants and he opened it up, revealing a stack of $100 bills. How much do you want? Joe didn't even acknowledge Pat. He was staring at Tiffany. For starters, said Joe, maybe I'd like this. Joe reached out and grabbed the pearl necklace that Tiffany was wearing. Those are hers, Pat yelled sternly as he leapt forward and grabbed the wrist of the arm that Joe was holding onto the necklace with. Bang! Joe swung the pistol around and shot Pat in the stomach. Pat fell to the ground in a pool of blood. Tiffany tried to pull away, but Joe's hand was still clutching the pearl necklace. Tiffany's movement pulled her away, snapping the necklace and sending pearls all over the ground. Another loud bang went off as Joe pulled the trigger a second time, dropping Tiffany in a lifeless heap right next to the unflinching body of her husband. Ethan was shaking. His hands were flinching and his lips stuttering as he tried to mouth words, but his voice provided him with no support. Joe brought the barrel of the pistol into alignment with Ethan. Sorry about the mess, kid, said Joe. 
Ethan wanted to respond. He wanted to yell. He wanted to cry. He wanted to run. But his body was powerless under the shock of what had just happened. Joe pulled the hammer of the revolver back as he looked into young Ethan's eyes. You ever square dance with Satan in the hot summer sun? Joe asked. Ethan didn't respond. Sirens could be heard, and the flashing of red and blue lights transformed the brick walls of the alley buildings from the normal shadowy presence to a circus of oncoming police cars. For the first time, a look of alarm washed over Joe's face. He pulled back his gun and holstered it as he began to turn away from Ethan, but before it was longer looking at the boy, he still had a chance to say, See round, kid. Ethan stood frozen. His head fell into his chest as he slowly lost the will to stand. The blood of his parents collected around his feet, masking the tears that were falling from the boy's face. Twenty years passed. Linus became Ethan's guardian and had raised the boy in a way that would have made both Pat and Tiffany proud. Math, science, philosophy, religion. He'd educated Ethan in every academic discipline known to Western civilization. Ethan took advantage of Linus's mentorship and in addition to his scholastical pursuits, Ethan spent much of his early life physically training in every martial art and fighting style the world over while at the same time becoming proficient in technology and investigation. Ethan was resolved to never be the victim of random violence, but the formative experiences of his young exploits saw Ethan not just preparing to keep himself safe, but to protect the innocent and make sure that no one would ever suffer the same fate as his parents. Not if he had the ability to stop it. Ethan did not just spend the previous two decades working on himself, he also searched for the man that killed his parents that fateful night. So far, he had no suspects or leads of any sort. However, the young man never lost hope that one day he'd be able to avenge his fallen parents. It started like any other night. But little did Ethan know that this was not like any other night. In fact, Ethan would think about this night for the rest of his life. Because this was the night that everything changed. This was the night that Ethan would be reborn. Linus was driving Ethan to the alley where his parents had been gunned down two decades earlier. Every anniversary, he would go place two roses on the spot where they, he had become an orphan. This particular trip would not go like the others had. Ethan was walking down the alley where he had visited so many times. As he neared the spot where the crime had taken place, he heard some rustling and saw a shadowy figure dart out from behind one of the dumpsters. Ethan couldn't make out any of the features of the shadowy person, but there was no doubt in his mind he knew who this was. Ethan dropped the roses and started running, easily overtaking the figure and tackling him to the ground. The man was clearly older than Ethan and not in as top a physical form. Ethan fell on the man. His weight knocked the breath out of the man and they both landed on the ground. Ethan grabbed him and turned him over, revealing exactly what he knew he would find. It was the face of the man that haunted his dreams every night for the last 20 years. A face that he had chanced in his nightmares so many times. It was a face he had 
been preparing for his whole life up until this point to find it now, and now he found it. Don't, don't kill me, man. Don't, don't kill me, pleaded the man. It was Joseph, Joseph Kersey, the man that had killed his parents. Ethan grabbed Joe by both shoulders and head-butted him, disorienting Joe and causing both men to start bleeding from their foreheads. Do you recognize me? Ethan asked. I, I don't, I don't know you, man. I don't know who the hell you are, said Joe. Look over there, said Ethan. He grabbed Joe's head with one arm and pointed down the alley where his parents had been killed. Twenty years ago, you ended the lives of two of the most special people in the world. I'm, I'm sorry, man, said Joe. I don't remember. You ever square dance with Satan in the hot summer sun? Asked Ethan. Joe's eyes grew wide, and his hysteria melted into absolute terror as he looked at Ethan. Who are you? Joe asked. Ethan punched Joe in the face so hard that it knocked him unconscious. Ethan rose to his feet and stood towering over the lifeless figure of Joe who was breathing but ultimately lying just as still as Pat and Tiffany had been. The sounds of sirens started getting close and red and blue flashing lights illuminated the night. I am what you made so many years ago, said Ethan. I'm no longer the child whose life you've ruined. I'm the spirit of my parents. I am Tiffany. I am... Ethan paused for dramatic effect. I am... He resumed talking. I'm Pat. Man. Alright, well this was definitely one of the darker uh, stories that we covered on the Silver Linings Playcast so far since we started doing this fan fiction. If you enjoyed this, uh, then you probably have never heard any actual good stories because this one was not very good at all. But we did it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you enjoy fan fiction set in the Silver Linings Playbook universe, tune in every week where we will have more. Um, sometime we will go back to the sequel novel that I'm writing. This is a prequel story, origin story about characters from Silver Linings Playbook. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you down the road and Excelsior. He's kind of crazy, she's a little insane Keeping energy really messes with his brain One is divorced, the other's husband is dead That's why it's so messed up in the head It's a silver linings play cast Oh yeah